0: to Brothers Red, the unique LFC fan podcast brought to you by Five Brothers, all devoted disciples of the almighty Super Reds. I have a full complement of brothers with me this evening, Matt, Fran, Paddy and Andy, following yesterday's uh, stupendous victory at Stamford Bridge. Champions defeated Chelsea 2-0 in their second game of the new Premier League season to make it two wins from two, following, let's say, an exciting week in the transfer market. Boys, let's get your reaction to the match. First of all, turning to you, Matt, it was an emphatic away win in our rival's backyard, and we got a clean sheet. It's just what the doctor ordered, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been an exciting week. Absolutely delighted with, with the result. I think the Chelsea game was a potential banana skin, wasn't it? Now, what we were saying last week, internally we weren't worried about Liverpool this season. Uh, the Leeds' result, 4-3, was flattering on, on their account. So so I felt, actually, this this week, it was a, a good way to show that we're still here and we're going to compete. Externally, you, you heard a lot of the people saying that actually, you know, they, they had some doubts about us because of that 4-3 result, but I think we've well and truly dispelled them doubts. And, and as you said, James, it was, it was an emphatic win in the yeah, end. Yeah,
0: and uh, we, we weren't panicking, but um, it, it's, it's what we needed. We needed to get uh, a clean sheet and to get a strong performance in. There were some outstanding performances at Stamford Bridge, Fran. It was a sort of Mortal combat style death match for the Man of the Match award between Fabinho... And, uh, and Mane, the lighthouse might just be the second best guest or visiting uh, centre-half in the league based on uh, recent performances. Uh, whereas Mane reminded us all after the, uh, the Mo Salah show last week that he's an absolute killer in front of goal.
2: Yeah, James, uh, two outstanding performances from Fabino and Mane. You could arguably argue a case for either player being of the match. Fab was just, you know, top draw against Chelsea. I thought he won the most tackles, four tackles, he made four interceptions. I think he had ninety seven percent pass accuracy. So, you know, and, and the main thing which we've all picked up on is he won the battle against um, Timo Werner. Um as as we mentioned before. So I think Fabino played really well. We speak about him playing centre half. I think I can remember back to when he played against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Good performance. I think also he played well against Wolves in the FA Cup. Although we got beat, I think he, he performed quite well at centre-half. But I think today, uh, yesterday sorry, was arguably his best performance at centre-back. Maybe Faber-Mane could have a, a dance-off, possibly. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you think about that, but if you can just picture guys... Um, Mane's got that in the back. Well, can you imagine Fab doing see a lot his, uh, of guns back and forward doing the shimmy? And then you've got <laughs> you've got, um, have we you've had got been... Mane doing the cha-cha slide. You could just imagine him <laughs> cha-cha sliding real smooth, couldn't you? Two goals this time.
0: So who is your man of the match then, Fab? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 I
2: know,
1: sitting on the fence. I think,
0: um, <laughs> I'd probably say
2: it would have to be Mane. But what I would say is, well,
0: go on. Sorry. All right. I mean, it, it's only the second game of the season, but it felt like a massive game. It's probably one of our biggest games of the season. Chelsea away. They always look dangerous. They're clearly in transition. Um, they need to spend another two hundred fifty million, I think, before they we you know they've got a chance to top four. But in all seriousness, you need your top players to come to the fore, and that's what happened. I mean, Pad, turning to the match itself in a little bit more detail, Chelsea parked the proverbial double-decker bus in the first half. I mean, right from the off. I'm not sure they would have got away with it um, if they had a crowd in there, but they showed very little forward ambition. They allowed Liverpool to play themselves into some real tempo and to control the game. And I just thought Chelsea were, were psychologically bullied right from the off. Um, do you agree? Well, no, actually, I thought um, I thought I thought
3: Chelsea did quite well, um, not quite to the extent the Fat Lampard
4: um, seems to think. Uh, when when did he <laughs> get so miserable? That's what management does to you, Paddy. That that's what It's the stress, isn't it? He yeah. was so sour after the
0: game, wasn't he? When he was giving his interview. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he, he he was uh, a bit he was a bit cranky, wasn't he at Anfield on the touchline when. Uh, when Trent whipped that one in, yeah, and I think distance. he, I
3: think he hates losing to Liverpool as well. That must be because of that like rivalry, Liverpool Chelsea, where we've done them over a few times. Yeah, but Chelsea, Chelsea showed us respect compared to last season. I think they um, last year they had a go, both games, and and we outgunned them in both games just for quality. Um, they seemed to block the midfield quite well, which um, which made it hard for us to create chances, but. Um, I think we're, we were on top overall in that first half and um, we'll definitely get into the detail and look at the stats a bit later. Um, but it was a real message. Like, we were a team to catch and, um, you know, Chelsea looked like a team in transition, as you've said, and the same with the other pretenders as well. You know, you see, it was nice that the Manx got beat, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, Pad, for for us to be going to Chelsea... Uh, with the talent they've got, regardless of the new recruits they brought in. But Werner obviously started, Havertz started, who just looked like a lost boy, didn't he? Um, the sending off of Christensen was the defining moment in the game. Although I I, I would say Chelsea were so, so meek in the way they, they, they played, and that was probably the, the, the defining feature of the game. But... That, that was a, a sort of rugby tackle, sort of hybrid suplex that Christensen does on, uh, on Mane. For me, he's bound to score. He's bound with his pace to get that ball. And then once, we, once, once, once he gets that, he rounds the keeper and scores and we, ne- and we never look back. Would you agree, I Andy? Mean, with the defining moment in the match?
4: Yeah, I think the sending off was definitely the turning um, of the tide and, and the real watershed moment in the game. Um, But I take a slightly different view to you, James, and I side more with Paddy as to the first-half performance of Chelsea. I thought for the first 35 minutes, I think both teams are quite well matched. I thought it was an interesting technical battle, a bit of a chess match with both teams being quite stable and solid, and there's only there was only a few flickers of chances in the first half. But I think once that sending off happened... I could only see one winner. And I think the the second half performance was just full of class, confidence and composure. Perhaps best demonstrated by Thiago's second
0: half performance. It was just a a comfortable uh, and um, good performance. Andy, you promised me you wouldn't say that word because you know I get very excited when that word gets mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, and I mean, um, for me, once the once he's once he's sent off, it looks as though it's going to be a 2 0 victory, comfortable, and that's how it turned out. We've had a look at the sort of at a at a glance eye test reaction to the match, but let's see how that fits with the numbers. Um, let's have the stat attack over to Pad and his monocle.
3: Yes, as we all know, a nice two-nil win, a second win of the season. Um, we won. Our last, um, we've won, sorry, we've won four of our last six games now at Stamford Bridge, uh, which is, which is mega. I remember the time when Mourinho was in charge and you couldn't get anything there. So real sign of the times changing. Um, I think the stats, when you look at them in total over the 90 minutes, are quite skewed by the red card. So I think as I'm going through them, I'll try and, I'll try and drop a few first half stats because I think that's a bit more where it's. It's a bit more interesting. Um, In total, the shots, Chelsea had five, Liverpool had 18. Three shots on target for Chelsea, six for Liverpool. But at half-time, it was one shot to seven. So Liverpool did have the majority of the chances in the first half. But they were quite limited to long-range shots. Um, If you actually look at the XG in the first half... It was 0.03 point three to Chelsea to Liverpool's 0.36. point three six, so you know on you're rounding to the nearest goal. It's you know it's nil nil. It was quite tight in that first half. The possession stats overall was thirty nine to sixty one to Liverpool, but at half-time it was forty seven to fifty three. So again to Liverpool, which again shows that it it was was
0: quite tight in there. It it was tight, pad just to jump in there, but that's because Chelsea showed absolutely no ambition. I mean, presumably most of that first half was played with them just knocking it round at the back. We were pressing quite high. Um, I know what you're saying, the two of you, that it was quite it was quite nip and tuck first half, but there was there was definitely a tempo coming in Liverpool's favour, and that's that's why we, um, well, the sending off changes things, but for me. Uh, we were on top in that match, and um, there was there was only going to be one victor.
2: We had gears, didn't we, James?
0: Yeah, it's all it's all about control, and um, this is what this Liverpool team does now. It controls games, um, and it doesn't rush. They just take their time, and they they work out the opposition, and then they they do the business.
3: The PPDA was forty-one to Chelsea, to eleven to Liverpool. The pills average last year, just to give you a feel, it was about eight. So it does show that maybe we're not pressing as intensely, but it's a bit smarter how we do it. We spoke last week about letting Leeds' centre-halves have the ball. This week, I think the plan was to let Kepper have the ball. Um, I looked back at his stats last week against Brighton, and his passing accuracy was only 50%. I think Klopp does mention that that was a plan to to target the keeper and obviously we got the goal from it so it's, it's intelligent pressing from the pool.
0: I'm trying not to laugh at this point when you mentioned that keeper well
3: he's he's awful I looked at the player ratings on BBC and he got I think he got 2.86 which is just it's quite high absolutely <laughs> dreadful and like it wasn't good enough to go to free they didn't they said oh he's not quite free
0: it was very precise he was that bad he was 2.86 <laughs> bad but, Pad, that, um, I mean, Matt, just to bring you in on that, the PPDA for Chelsea was, what, about 41, did you say?
3: Yeah, it was, yeah, which showed that they were deep, but also it is it is skewed. It would be quite interesting to see what it was um, at half-time.
0: Yeah, OK. Very defensive performance from a, from a team that's just spent quarter of a million at home in the second game of the season. There it is. I'll stop banging well, yeah, they my didn't
3: drum. didn't yeah, they didn't create a chance um, up until... Um, pretty much the the sixty seventh minute, I think it was, um, when Mount has a shot, only one shot in the first half. Um, the biggest. F- Surely there was a mountain to climb there, though, Paddy. The first, um, the first real chance was was Verne, and he what he was doing is was he dribbling a lot. Um, so we had zeb seven dribbles in that first half. A lot of it was cutting in on from from the left flank, but. Fab had such a good game and he managed to stop most of that. Now, I think the real battle was in midfield. Um Kante had a really good game and he was the one breaking the lines and showing any real threats. So it'd be interesting how that would develop in the second half because I don't know about you guys but I thought Chelsea actually won the midfield battle in the first half and Liverpool were um resorted to a lot of a lot of a lot of wide play and, and struggled to find some of the, the gaps.
0: Yeah, I don't agree with that. I think, I, I mean, I, I thought, Fran, that um, Kante was unbelievable. Because, I mean, without without Kante, since Chelsea haven't got a midfield, but Naby Keita, our mate Naby, was a little bit vacant, I thought, in that match. So I can see why Paddy was a bit sceptical about the midfield performance. But to me, the midfield were on it and were a bit much more combative than they were last week, less passive than they were, particularly for the first, first half against Leeds.
2: Kante always plays well against Liverpool. Um, I think he's he's, he's a great. He scored last he's, season, didn't he? Yeah, he's a great player. I think e- equally is. Liverpool. I think we go back to, to our friend Naby. I just obviously we'll go on to talking about Thiago, but I just thought Thiago done so much more when he came on than what Naby. I'm not Naby's biggest fan. I'm I? I Want us? I want to kind of, you know, I want him to do more. In the games, and I think it was a prime opportunity yesterday, playing in a big game, to really make a stamp and really get involved in the game. And it just—it's it's too little and not often enough for
0: me. Yeah, the key—the key for Naby is to stay fit. Let, 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 he needs to stay fit for full season. Yeah,
2: judge him on eight or nine games consistently playing. I think is probably a
0: fur yeah. assessment. Paddy, back to the. Uh... Back to the stats. What what else did you you, you pick up? Yeah, I think we've I think we covered a lot of it.
3: Um, I think Liverpool's midfield has changed this season. Um, it looks like Henderson is Henderson was holding, and then Keita seems to be playing a bit more of a traditional centre mid, and genuine Aldum's actually kicking on. Um, there was a um, heat map on Twitter showing how high and offensive he was, and if you look back to the Leeds game, it was something very similar. So. You'd think it was more the other way around where um, Keita is one further forward. But I think what Klopp likes is he likes him running those lines and breaking those lines, making space for Mane and um, Robertson on, on the left-hand side. I think we've got different styles of midfielders now and we'll talk onto uh some of the new signings and what they bring. But um, interesting, I think Klopp really is trying to bring that unpredictability in the midfield this um, this season, and it was just shown by some of the you know statistics like the dribbles, for example, um, Genie, Keita, Mane, Salah, all had similar levels of dribbles, three or four. So it just showed how Liverpool tried to just be um, unpredictable, really. And uh, the heat maps heat maps show that there's lots of there's a big clump of red in the Chelsea midfield where we've tried to find those half spaces. And then you've also got um, red uh, heat maps uh, heat like spots, sorry, at the sides where if that's not on, the switch is on. it's interesting there's like a there's a circle um, where just Trent looks like it's been stood all game, just offering that outlet. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting stuff.
0: Yeah I mean Matt, I suppose the coming back to the the match itself, you've had the pleasure of watching the 90 minutes again. Uh, albeit without um, zero anxiety about the result. Statistical analysis is a little bit difficult to um, interpret uh, because the second half is obviously completely skewed by the fact that Chelsea are down to 10 men. But Liverpool... I thought we were on top first half but it, it was a bit it, it wasn't um, as though we created a lot of chances and I suppose we've got to recognise although Fabinho as France's had uh, Werner in his back pocket Chelsea still looked dangerous at times didn't they in that first half
1: well, I mean, I think we started off really, really well, actually, because it was a good start and it was a good away performance. There was a clear intent to press, obviously, as we've already said. Paddy did say about and Wijnald- pressing, but actually, Katie was pressing as well, so it was a bit of like a five. It was almost like a five, which is a kind of a different kind of matrix I I, I picked up anyway. Um, so maybe in the first 10, 11, 12 minutes, we were just lacking the final ball, but the but the intent was there. Very early on, we all said the key battle was Fabino and Werner, and there was some. There was a there was a key, there was a key minute really, if you like, in in, in the third minute where actually the ball, the ball came to Werner on um on our right hand side, and he was and he manages to skin skin Fabino and but but nothing nothing came of it 30 seconds later he was in a better position then where he's one on one with 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 Fabino pretty much and it was great great defending and he was able to snuff it out that was an important psychological victory um very very early on and i know we will probably talk about Fabino as well then after after 12 minutes then we looked a bit brighter then we had a Wijnaldum shot which was which was which was wide but but it was a good it was a good little cutting from Salah looking quite dangerous and then we had that um two minutes later we had that kind of great kind of play from Henderson in midfield which kind of deflected Kepper was in no man's land and I don't even remember Salah kind of got the ball turned and it almost went to Firmino uh, but christie christensen um the the hero of the game uh managed to manage to block him out there didn't he so I think you you could see that Chelsea were obviously playing the low block and and it was obviously it, it was costly wasn't it um as he said, Chelsea showed a few 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 glimmer few glimmer of opportunities Kante made a few good good breaks uh forward. Werner Havertz were quite quite looked looked a little bit dangerous in the first sorry in that in that period but didn't manage to to kind of um, break our lines but I think what happened then is coming into thirty minutes thirty five minutes we started to really really squeeze Chelsea. And I think it's I think it started to tell really. We had some great crosses from Trent. Robo Robo had a missed missed hit cross as well, if you remember, uh when the 36th minute where he was looked like he was going to volley it, but he but he didn't. He kind of miss miss hit it. And then again there was numerous examples of Fabino just just winning the ball off um um off Verner. Uh, Werner. And obviously the key the key The key incident at the end of the first half was was the goal, wasn't it? Um, It came from a Chelsea cross um, Alonso header and then we were able to break. Ali rolled the ball to Henderson and it was an an astute astute pass, unbelievable pass from Henderson. And then obviously... um, he got uh he got tackled um illegally. He looked more like a rugby tackle. Uh, it was a clear sending off. Trent didn't make much of that much of the free kick afterwards, but I, I would say with that incident, I think I know the XG is 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 nil nil. But I would say with that piece of piece of brilliance really that we probably deserve to be just about one 0 up at half-time.
0: Yeah, because that because it, it, unless Mane is um, you know brought brought out of the way um he's he's going to score there isn't he and then he scores and then we go in 1-0 at half time it's the perfect scoreline there's no way mané with the pace he has is not going to get that yeah i and
3: disagree i disagree actually um i thought it was a very tough call because if you watch the bounce of the ball it skids a little bit and well, that, yeah it, i i do think it was a 50-50 like i'd i'd back mané but um do think it was really close and because of that element of doubt, it should be a red card, but i I do see why there is a there is an element of doubt because that ball does skid, and it's it's quite hard because it it
4: changes um but, yeah I think paddy yeah. it's, not, it's not, the point is though is that it's not that the referee doesn't need to be sure that Mane would have got to it. it's just that um restriction of a goal opportunity, and that's the point, isn't it that I think most people would. Say that when the ball was put through, that there was a goal scoring opportunity as opposed to definitely going
2: to get onto it, because he only has to get his toenail on that ball, flick it over the keeper, and then he's in isn't he lightning pace, and I think just on, on a serious point, you know what we didn't mention about that was the movement and the run from Marney, which was outstanding. He, he forced Henderson to put that long ball through to him from his own half. It was a great run, and it sums up what Mane was about. And he was so busy and so dangerous.
0: It's great movement. Yeah, you're right, and, and they showed that on Sky Sports, didn't they, that Mane's on, on, on our left-hand side, and he just absolutely darts in, doesn't he, to the centre. Henderson rightly got some credit from Carragher, on, on, again, on Sky, because um, even though he's not, he's not Brazilian or Spanish... That was an unbelievable ball, wasn't it? The technique to knock it straight through knew exactly what he was doing it was unbelievable. And the other point, of course, that we're forgetting is that if, if Mane gets the ball, which I say he does eight out of ten times, Liverpool score. And then second half, the Chelsea plan that goes out the window and then they have to come out against us. And that's when we're going to pick them off. I mean, they might score, but it's, you're talking, you're talking a 3-1 victory then. But, Matt, going back to the second half, I mean, once Chelsea are down to 10 men, uh, Liverpool just turn up the heat. And then it almost feels, once we get those two goals, like a, a sort of Melwood training exercise. Yep. Um,
1: Exploitation, clinical, purposeful, all these all these type of things spring to mind. And it was perfect for Thiago, wasn't it? Um, we were all doing our Spanish dance when he, when he, when he, when he came on. Um, I don't know what Spanish... <laughs> I don't know what a Spanish dance is, but uh, the thing is, Chelsea did start to drop to drop deeper, understandably. Um, and we started off really well, actually. You know, two minutes in, Marne had a good cross, which was which was blocked by the defender. Mane skinned James on the left side, got a free kick. We didn't quite quite make the most of it, but they were the kind of the early signs to build up that impetus. And, and with that impetus, then we we got our. Obviously, uh, we got the sexy goal, didn't we? It was a... Uh, I know we're going to talk about the goal a little bit more later, but it was just an unbelievable 1-1-2 one, one, between, between Bob and Salah, and what a, what a header, a slam-dunk header from uh, Mane. Afterwards then, you, you know, you started to see the class from Thiago, obviously, you know, he had loads of time on the ball. His pass completions was was, was ridiculous. Robbo and Trent were, were, were playing so far up. Uh, Chelsea were just kind of becoming more and more you know, kind of pending, which 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 we talked about last week. And then obviously the second goal then wasn't it? The second goal was well deserved um for our kind of intent really. Uh obviously terrible mistake from the goalkeeper. But Marnet's kind of it just emphasizes his attitude, hard work to be able to score. And then then it was just cruise control then, wasn't it? I mean, there's not there's not too much to much to analyze apart from the fact that Fabino kept winning the ball off <laughs> so so you know, yeah. you know and the pen
0: Matt as well that's
1: it isn't it so no no I mean I'm just I will come to the pen but I mean uh <laughs> sorry uh, the war, the war was pretty much won then with 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 Fabinho. It was nice to see Millie come on though, wasn't it? You know, uh, it was a positive sub. He he was able to get some game time, and you know he he played really well, pass passed really well. Wijnaldum had a had a shot, didn't he, from a through ball from from Bobby on sixty five minutes. That that could have been three nil. Chelsea pretty much. Uh, really threatened. Paddy did mention the mount of that shot over the bar. And then I think for a couple of minutes, just before the 73rd minute, where they got the, the pen, we got a little bit lazy and, and lethargic, but, you know, that's understandable. You know, it could be understandable in, in, in one sense. And it was a bit of a soft penalty.
2: Would you not just say it was cruising, Matt? I don't know if it was lazy. No, 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 no. No, 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 I didn't bit. say
1: we were lazy. Uh, I didn't say overall we are lazy. I just said for that for a couple of minutes before the penalty, uh, we took the foot off the gas only for a few minutes and, and then we just let in a, well, we, we can see it's a silly penalty. But what what I would say about the penalty is it, it was soft. Okay, it was a pen, but it was great to see Ali, Ali make that save, wasn't it? Uh, that's. He was criticising him, man That was gonna. It wasn't me. I, I, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't Andy. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't criticise Alison Becker. <laughs> I think it was uh, I think it was Andy's criticism. Well listen, like, was- I've, got,
4: I've got some backing, haven't I? Jamie Carragher I think had a piece in one of the newspapers saying that um in the last eight or so games Alison was replicating the form of, of Minule, which I think was slightly harsh, I think went a bit further. Uh, than what I said last week to James, which well, was... That's uh, harsh. Yeah, He's I, better looking than Mignolet as well, <laughs> isn't he? He <laughs> yeah, is. I just, I just thought he was guilty <laughs> last week, only slightly. Um, uh, you know, arguably one of the best keepers of the world, in the world. He probably ought to have done a, done a bit better. But as Matt said, I think he demonstrates his class, doesn't he? Uh, with that penalty save, that's exactly what the top keepers do. Um, Because had that gone in, Matt, it would have been potentially a nervy finish to the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just say late couple of minutes because we actually responded really, really well after the goal. It was it was good that that Taki got a bit of time as well. Then he got like you know six or seven minutes, which was nice to see just uh, for the for the for the squad because I think we'll, I think we may rotate a little bit more this season. So I think giving Taki and Millie some time was 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 good. And then just just to finish off, then uh, we could have got another one, couldn't we? We had the Mane deflected shot. Which 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 keeper finally saved one, uh, and then we had that we had the Salah turn turn in the box, which which the keeper saved, and and when Alden perhaps should have got his foot on it to 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 score. So I think overall, I mean, I know the second half was 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 pretty pretty comfortable, but you know two nil to a three nil, you know, was definitely a fair result.
0: And I think I think Fran, I know that this. Uh... There's this debate about whether you give the you give the uh the, the bottle of champagne or the or the cheap trophy as it now is for the man of the match award to to Fabinho or to Mane. But if you just stop and think, as I think we have to, about Mane's contribution to that match, he's involved in the penalty. Sorry, not the penalty. The sending off. He's dangerous throughout the game, and then he scores. Two brilliant goals, brilliant for different reasons, weren't they? Mane in particular was brilliant, wasn't he?
2: At times, it was almost like a Mane sort of highlight reel. You know, just pulling off all these different, uh, different players within the game just worked really hard. I think he had three shots, two goals, three dribbles, um, and just watching him at times. I think I was dribbling. So, yeah, he was brilliant. And we mentioned his movement as well, wasn't it? And I think Gary Neville you know, mentioned the fact that he's, you know, his work rate and what you get from Mane with goals,
0: he's the complete player, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's world-class. But that first goal, Fran, it's a telepathic link-up, isn't it, between the front three? You don't often see them all linking up directly together, although they play so well. Um And that, I mean, that header, I mean, that's what's forgotten about marne sometimes. He's just unbelievable in the air as well, isn't he? I mean, you think, for example, to the winner against Villa last season, it's not only does he get his head on that, he puts it right in the corner. And then the second goal, I mean, you must have enjoyed that. Yeah, they're both, both great goals, really.
2: Um, I thought, you know, let's not forget Firmino picks the ball up sideways and passes it to Salah. And then sets off for the return. Vicky goes beyond Alonso. Salah picks up the ball, cushions it, puts a left-footed ball across. Firmino crosses without even breaking stride. And then Mane just gets in front of the full-back James, swivels, leaps, and flicks the ball into the top corner of the net. It was a great header, wasn't it? The second goal as well, you know, it just sums up this sort of it was a show-stopping sort of piece, wasn't it, for Mane, where he was frustrated and angry about giving the ball away. And then I think um, Tomori plays the ball back to Kepa. And Kepa's got the idea of just clearing it out of the box to Jorginho. And Mane is just obviously still angry about losing the ball earlier. Just charges him down and just wins it and just knocks it into the back of the net. And it was just summed his performance up, some Liverpool's performance up and, you know,
0: arguably you could say the second goal was more important. Well, it's, it's, it, it's just uh, the microcosm of the macrocosm, I suppose, that it just shows that this team is built on a burning desire to win. This fighting unit that we have doesn't give up, keeps going and that's why we're unstoppable. Anyway, let's move on because there are some other things to talk about. It's been a massive week for Liverpool in the transfer market. Let's talk about, yes, I'm going to say it, Tiago. He's a Liverpool player. Mm. And transfers. So, welcome to LFC, the passmaster extraordinaire, Tiago Alcantara. I can't contain my excitement any longer. I got the chance, Andy, to see him on the weekend. This is a transformative signing for Liverpool Football Club.
4: Yeah, James, I think it's Certainly seems like it's going to be a significant signing for Liverpool, but I think it's probably perhaps a bit too early to say that he's going to transform this Liverpool team. Surely you must have been happy, Um, though. Yeah, I managed to smile when I, um, seeing that we got it over the line. Um, But I think what I was more excited about, I know we've all been saying this, haven't we, is that over the last two seasons, we've just craved a player in, in midfield who has that. Ability to play an incisive pass to unlock stubborn defenses, and James, I know that we've had a discussion, haven't we, about whether Thiago is going to play in a bit more of a holding role, similar to Fabinho, or whether he's going to be a bit more expansive and orchestrate the play in the in the opposition's half. But I just I'm looking forward now to having that uh, bit of magic in the midfield, that bit of majesty that I think we've been lacking. Yeah, we've been lacking since Coutinho hmm. left. I know it's annoying to mention Coutinho's name, but just having that bit of class. Now, it's, what we mustn't forget is that Liverpool midfield is really impressive. I think Thiago himself said um, before he came to Liverpool that he was particularly impressed with the, with the midfield and how they worked. But I think what the midfield, our current midfield, what they do lack is that flicker of creativity that ability to lock the defence because they've got a similar skill set, haven't they? and Henderson, Milner, for example, fabino they the workhorses are the they're the engine of the Liverpool team—but they don't offer too much um, going forward. So yeah, I'm just excited, James, about that sprinkling of, of gold um, dust to that midfield, and hopefully we'll see, um, as the season progresses, um, Thiago having a significant role. Um, in that creative aspect of the team, but I just thought it's important to say that there's there's a couple of things which may temper um, the euphoria um, behind or around Tiago at the moment. I think James, you're the worst culprit for this. I've just been too excited. This is not going to be Tiago.
0: No, this is. I'm not having any Tiago related negativity. Just, and.
4: just a couple of points. Just a couple of points. Um, the first being is that his injury record is not that impressive or flattering Ooh. I know I say that Ooh. James I say that because he's had I think it's close to 25 injuries as a player which doesn't look it doesn't fill you with too much confidence does it with him Andy you can't and go, got,
1: Andy you can't include the under 12s under
4: 13s and under 14s team it's not that that's <laughs> not included <laughs> well listen I'm just trying to be that's, I'm trying to be objective here anyway so injury records not that Got
0: 25 f- medals and
4: well listen We'll come on to that in a minute. Injury record, in your injury. <laughs> and the other point, coupled with the injury record that a lot of Liverpool fans have been saying recently, and certainly in the lead up to the transfer, was that Tiago was um, a bit old. And that sounds a bit stupid saying that because he's only 29, isn't he? But I think Liverpool fans were concerned about the price tag and the fact that we were getting potentially an ageing midfielder. But in counterpoint to that, we we know, don't we, that uh, the top midfielders in the world are of a similar age to Thiago. So, for example, you've got you know, De Bruyne, Busquets, all, I think they're about 29, 30, and all at the peak of their power. So I don't think that's a particularly persuasive argument, saying that he's a, a bit too old for the, the, the Liverpool midfield. And, of course, we can't discount, can we, that a couple of the Liverpool midfield midfielders, Henderson... Um, at springs to mind, is of that 29, 30 age. And I think most Liverpool fans would uh, would agree that Henderson's not losing height, is he, in terms of his um, powers of play and his ability to get around the pitch. So I'm less concerned about the age, uh, but more concerned about the injury record. But when all the strands are drawn together, considering that he's it's reported to be 27 million for a proven world-class player, it's a no-brainer. But there's a lot, I think, you know a lot of Liverpool fans will be watching his performances closely because we just don't know, do we, at this time, how he's going to fare in the, the Premier League and how he's going to cope with the demands of the Premier League. Of course, James, you'd probably say in response to that that um, he's played at the highest level, not least for Bayern Munich and Barca, and he's able to, um, he should have no problem adjusting to life in the Premier League. So, yeah, so I think on paper, I think he's got the capacity to transform this Liverpool team. Um, but I think at the moment, I'm just cautiously optimistic that he's going to do so.
0: Carl Matt, what do you make of it?
1: Obviously, I, I'm delighted, but, you know, yesterday's game was, was by no means a kind of, a, of an indication of how he's going to fit in. Because he had about four, four years on the ball. But um, <laughs> my my only thing is, I mean, my, there's still question marks. I mean, can he press as well as the other midfielders? Does he need to to, to press as well as the other midfielders? Probably, yeah, because they do play as a free, and it's and, and they're an important important cog. There is he as is he as defensive? Is is he as defensive? Is he sound as the other midfielders? So so there are still some question marks. But obviously, I'm still delighted and, and excited. But but we just got to see.
0: I mean. Pad, it was a perfect game really for him, wasn't it? He comes on at half-time, uh, Chelsea are down to 10 men. He breaks, you know, passing records, doesn't he, with the amount of um, times he gets on the ball. But he's just got that star quality. I mean, you know, you just look at the, the no-look passes and, you know, the the way he sprays the ball round. He looks, to me, more like Alonso than a Coutinho-type player. And he's not someone that we've we've had for a long, long time in our midfield. Someone who's got that panache, the way he just caresses the ball. I mean, I think he's going to be a real asset to us, and he's also unpressable.
3: Yeah, just yeah, just the, just the way he gets the ball off his feet. It's just it's so good. It's so silky. And when you've watched the Champions League over the last twenty, thirty years, there's always been one or two of those midfielders who are just absolute class. You know, Javi's the Perlos, Seedorf's. There's so many of them, and now we've just gone to Bayern Munich, and just just plucked them from the team. and Go, yeah, we'll have a bit of that, and just improved an even better team. You know, the one thing that people would say about the is we don't get enough goals from midfield, and now we've got, we've got star quality there, and so many different options in such a like long season where we're gonna need. Lots of options, lots of different styles and um, unpredictability and he, he gives us that and everyone was, you know, creaming about his um his, his passing record and just to just to emphasise it, he got the record number of passes in forty five minutes, seventy five, um, and more passes than any player in, in in five Premier League teams, including Chelsea and Spurs. He had six point five percent of possession. I mean, it's just just incredible. And just, just to compare that, he had, he had 89 touches in the second
2: half. Genie had 32, Kante had 35. So just That's what I was going to pick on, Paddy. It's, it, it, you look at someone who's a new player coming into a team who's just won the Premier League, and he comes onto the pitch in a big game against Chelsea, and he has 89 touches of the ball. He wanted the ball all the time. 89 touches in comparison to the other players like Paddy, and sorry to cut you short there, Paddy, like the likes of Kante only having 35. I think had a little bit more than that, but it just shows the confidence. And we, we all know he's got confidence because he's won everything in the game, hasn't he? But I was really impressed with someone coming on the pitch and taking control, wanting the ball, wanting to play the forward passes. I was really impressed with him. He's a class act. Yeah, Fran,
4: you have i noticed with it? I don't know if you found this as well, but... It seemed to me that his performance was similar to Van Dyke's first performance. You know, you're just able as a fan to look at a player and just see straight away that they've got that silkiness, as I think Matt said or Paddy said, that silkiness, that bit of class. And it was just clear to me, as soon as he had three or four touches, you could just tell he's going to be a player. And I had a similar thought when I saw Van Dijk, is just that confidence that composure, that class which just stands out I don't think that I've seen that necessarily, not just to criticise him again, but I don't think I've seen that with Nabi Keita yet, that standout performance where it looks almost effortless but yesterday watching Tiago, I was a bit sceptical because there was a lot of hype about him, just watching him for those 45 minutes it just seemed to me that He's got that world-class... The world-class DNA, really. That ability, as you said, to come on the field, to play for the current Premier League champions and not look out of place. But he goes further than that. And he actually starts to orchestrate and determine Liverpool's play, which is quite staggering, really.
0: And and the thing is, just boys, just to finish on because you know I could speak about him all night, Liverpool's game last season was built on control. We don't know exactly how Klopp is going to set them up this year. But if we're looking at controlling games, Thiago is the man. You're talking about going away in the Champions League, trying to get a decent result. You're looking at protecting a lead in the Premier League against a top team. I think it's right to say it it, it. it is a little bit artificial to look at his performance yesterday because of the circumstances. But I think if he comes on at half-time... In circumstances where Chelsea have got eleven men, he plays a pretty similar game. I don't think he, 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 he's going to be shy on the ball, and I don't think he's going to do anything other than just spray it around the way he does. And the way actually, he's not just hitting it left and right to the fullbacks, but the way he just plays that ball through the lines, uh, to to Wijnaldum or Kaita or one of the front three dropping off is going to be something to keep an eye on this season um we're going to leave Thiago and uh start to wrap things up of course we have to welcome diego jotta from wolves uh, uh, another significant signing he's coming in as a as cover for the front three praise on the left hand side portuguese player 23 very good on the ball very technical
1: i mean he seems he seems like he's got a good record doesn't he for for wolves
2: well he does Matt. he does i think um i think he's had Thirty thirty five goals or so thirty four goals within three seasons. It's pretty handy at Wolves. So obviously one season in the Championship where he got seventeen goals, and then he got ten in the Premiership, um, and sixteen last season. So he's had thirty four goals. I think he's got fourteen in in European competitions as well. So. Yeah. He's obviously, I think he's quite versatile as well, as the Paddy, in terms of where he can play?
3: Yeah, I think he plays anywhere across the front three. Um, I've not seen a, a great deal of him, but I've watched bits of Wolves and he seems to come on or just do something in a match. I think he, I think then he rips someone against United and bang him one. So that for me, that's, you know, he's up there for me just for that. So more of that, please. Yeah,
4: yeah Paddy's in his record... In Europe, pretty impressive as well. Yeah. I'm sure he's had a decent goals tally, which I think that would uh, that, that's more positive for me, the fact that he's able to perform uh, on uh, the, the European level as well as the Premier League.
1: Can I just say, he scored nine goals. He scored nine goals in the Europa League last season, which is pretty, yeah, which is, point, which is pretty isn't
0: impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, for me, it's a classic Klopp, Michael Edwards signing. He's someone who fits the age profile 23, coming into that sort of (laughs) mid-period of 24 to 28, where hopefully he's going to hit his peak. Very similar stats to Mane when he was at Southampton in his last season. But he's been described um, by Tim Spears on The Athletic, who covers Wolves as a streaky player. More streaky than a pack of bacon, apparently. But Mane was similar. (laughs) Mane was similar at Southampton. He was mercurial, but he wasn't <laughs> consistent. And um, look what Klopp did to him. Anyway, boys, we're going to have to wrap things up now. Um, we'll have to talk next week about potential transfer outgoings. I expect Liverpool to balance the books, possible deals for Gruwich and Brewster. We've already lost Kiana Hoover. We don't know whether there's a buyback clause in there. But Liverpool are playing next, of course, against... Uh, English League Giants Lincoln on Thursday in the Littlewoods Cup. Hopefully, uh, some of our friends' <laughs> players Woods. will get a game in the Rumbelows Cup and um, we can get a good run in the Milk Cup. And hopefully, uh, you know, we'll lift that Worthington's trophy. So thanks very much for joining us. Two wins out of two, boys. Up the Reds. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say that will describe this was boom. (laughs)